Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Right, so today we got a Q and A, um, and we are also going to touch on the facility because I made a post about that. Before I do, just just a quick reminder, guys, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, I always got to throw this out there, obviously, because we're trying to grow this thing. Um, I'm just going to be completely honest with you guys, and, and I think transparency is the best way to go about this. But um, we don't market, we don't pay ads, we don't do anything like this. This this podcast is 100% built organically, and it's 100% built on the idea of just really giving more value and information education to you in hopes that you not only learn, um, but you share that and spread that. So if this is impacting you in any way, shape or form, please do me a huge favor and share it with somebody, text it to somebody, send it via Snapchat. You can uh, scream at them. You can tell your neighbor, you can text somebody, you can email somebody, you can put it in your newsletter, put it on your Facebook, put it on your YouTube, put it on your Instagram, do something with this podcast. Um, Voxer, it to somebody. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. Listen to this, but um, just do me a favor, spread it, share it, give somebody the power of knowledge. That's all I ask of you as the listener, because that really is the best way for us to grow this podcast. And our goal is to keep cranking up the rankings. We want to get to that number one spot in fitness, which is a huge mountain to climb, but we are slowly climbing it. And I just want to keep doing so. And 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 I gotta mention as well, like thank you, the listener for helping me because you seriously are doing an amazing job um, at helping us grow this. Like I can't say enough like how much you guys are helping me do this. So I appreciate you more than you know. Now, uh, first order of business, the first thing we're going to touch on today um, is the facility. I posted a picture of me standing in front of the warehouse of the facility that we will get the keys for and be starting to get into first week of December, December 1st. Um, we might get in there a little bit sooner, but if we do get in there sooner, it's just going to be storing equipment because we have like painters and turf people and rubber mat people and stuff like that coming in that first week of December. But just to update you guys, uh, it's exciting stuff. I'm super pumped about it. Right now we have a huge list of things to get. So we are going to, the shape of the building is actually pretty cool. Like when you walk in the front door, it's immediately an office. So you would walk in the door. We're going to tin out the glass so you can't really see in it. But when you walk in the door, you're in a small office, small compared to the warehouse. It's a big square. We'll have one long, cool desk. We're, we're in the process of like, I'm having Shannon help me design it. But we'll have one long desk along the right side. That's where Travis will have a station. I will have a station, so we'll have the media guy in one corner, myself in one corner. We'll have our monitors up. Um, there'll be extra space for Tori, or my assistant, and our admin to do her thing. Um, and then we'll have our chairs and everything on the one side. Across from that in the corner, we're going to get two funky chairs with like a coffee table and probably some pictures above us, something cool. 
Like, I'm going to put, like, cool decor. Like, if you guys have ever seen Big, Billy McHale's, <laughs> just, like, random shit on the walls, that's how it's going to be. I want to put, like, just cool random funky stuff on the walls. Um, we're going to have some cool mics coming over our chairs, and that'll be, like, the podcast corner. Media wall on one side, podcast corner on one side. Um, probably have to have a bookshelf in there because i got too many books I'm going to need to bring in. Um, and then uh, from there, we are going into uh, – the actual gym. So we have this box. We're going to have media desks on one side, podcasting on one side, probably like some kind of table in the middle, cool stuff on the walls. You walk straight through that and it is the gym and the gym is going to be an L shape and we have garage doors. So if you look at the Instagram picture, I'm standing in front of two garage doors. That's two different bays. We just have one of those. So one of those is my neighbor. Um, but the garage door goes in and it's like a big L shape. So we'll have basically Everything will be rubber matted, and then on the far side, because it's the longest, it'll be about 40 to 50 feet long of just turf. So we'll have like one big strip of turf, we'll have a sled and a prowler on that. Um, that's probably the wall we'll put the big boom boom performance decal on. Um, and then we're going to have rings, we'll have, I'm probably not going to do a rig, like a, a rack punched into the wall, what I'm thinking is I'll probably do like a yoke and then I have a squat rack right now. So I have a, a rogue squat rack that is just a squat stand, but it's super stable and it doesn't need to go on the wall. So it's kind of perfect for moving and just easeability. And, and I mean, you can obviously load it up, bench squat, deadlift, do whatever you want on there. Um, we'll probably have a platform too. Probably get a platform. Um, then we'll have a yoke because I want to be able to do yoke carries. Um, so we'll have one yoke, one squat rack, barbell, probably a couple of barbells. We already have a trap bar. Um, We'll have, we'll probably have to get more plates too. Uh, then we'll have a big pull-up bar coming out of the wall. Probably two of those. So we can have one with TRX and rings hanging off and the other one just plain for pull-ups. We're going to have full dumbbell rack. I already have a ton of kettlebells. Already have an ab mat. Already have a salt bike. Already have a rower. Probably going to get a skier. I want, I'm, I'm debating between a skier and one of those assault runners that are like curved. I really want one of those. They're ridiculously expensive but they're so sick and with how much it rains here they're perfect so thinking about getting one of those but it's just going to be like an overall functional facility so a ton of free weights probably get some sandbags tons of kettlebells dumbbells barbells all that kind of stuff sleds so we're basically going to have this big l-shaped gym setting and then we'll have the office which will have the media in the podcast studio and i'm super excited about this because the podcast studio will be able to put up some soundproof stuff we'll get new mics we'll get new everything um my media guy will be there with me recording every single time which means he's going to be in control of the audio which is going to step up the audio quality i'll also have somebody on the q a podcast with me to be able to answer and ask questions which is going to be cool um just to have some kind of dialogue and travis is hilarious so it's going to be a really cool conversation <laughs> i think you guys are just going to laugh quite a bit um and then i'm going to have a live space so i'm going to be able to get more people out um, I don't have I don't have anybody scheduled yet, but I've talked to multiple people. I mean, Theo will definitely come out. We'll we'll bring Kaiza out there. Um, I talked to Jordan Syatt a bunch now um, ever since we did the podcast. So I'm I'm pretty sure he's coming out. Austin Current will come out. Um, Brad Jensen from Key Nutrition will come out. Jason Phillips will come out. Um, Matt McLeod will probably come out. Who else? I have a huge list of people. Andreas, which is another one of my mentors. So I'm basically just going to be inviting a ton of people out and we're just going to do <laughs> train, get some video content, get a podcast in 
and probably go to dinner. Like I'm going to have like a thing. I want to have like somebody fly out every single month and just do like a day with them and just try to provide content. That way you guys get insights of video, podcasts, written content, workouts, like the whole experience that I get. So we can, I can deliver more education, not just me, but people I respect, people I'm colleagues with that can come out and do it with me. So it's going to be super exciting. I'm super pumped for this. Um, just kind of sharing my thoughts. But yeah, December 1st is the, the first week. We have a team meetup in January, which means everything has to be completely done by January 1st because I got people flying in. I mean, Lisa's coming from Germany. Adam's coming from London, um, which I'm excited about. I'm going to have all of them on the podcast over the next few weeks. So we're going to get podcasts. You guys can hear their stories as well. All of them have really good stories um, as to why they're great coaches. So I'm excited for you guys to, to meet the coaches and kind of go through our team. And I'm excited to share this journey of opening this facility and having this content central, this content hub. Um, it also gives us a place to store things like merch. Um, I get a ton of requests for the journals. Right now it's kind of exclusive to my mentor clients. Um, and then we have the mini journals. But we're gonna we're gonna maybe put those up. We're gonna we have a bunch of shirts, um, which all profit will be going to a charity. Um, so there will be more information on that. But we'll have a place that we'll be able to store them and ship them from, and so on and so forth. So I'm just excited to have this home. It's gonna be such a game changer. It's gonna allow me to have such a tighter routine. My training is actually gonna be way harder because I'm gonna be able to step that shit up quite a bit. Um, and I'm going to have a home to do all of this stuff for you guys. So the podcast is going to grow. The videos are going to get better. The content's going to get better. We have some huge, huge plans that I actually can't tell you about right now um, because we haven't launched yet um, and we're not marketing yet. So I'm not going to share the plans or the thoughts or anything, but just know that it's going to change the game. There's a lot of people listening to this that are going to benefit from what I have in store. Um, but this is going to give us a home for that. I mean, I can't even like... The feeling is so unbelievable. I'm so excited. It's it's literally a dream come true. And it's not like it's like the hugest thing ever, right? Like it's, I mean, it's not like we're getting like a global gym, but it's a lot of space and it, and it allows me to do so many more things. And it's, I'm just so grateful to be able to do this stuff and to have a headquarters to host my, like host my team, um, to give them a key and let them come in anytime, to host podcasts, to host seminars, to host live events, to host all this stuff. Like, it's just going to be such a game changer. I'm so, so, so excited. Um, and I'm excited to bring people out, train, film content, and give you guys even more. Um, and the cool thing is too, is like, this is the last thing I'll say, just because I know I'm, I'm talking about something I and my team are going to be getting, but I promise you then the reason we're doing this is so I can create more of these, you know, like the, the podcasts are going to get better. The, the guests are going to get better. I guess we're going to probably get more frequent. We might even do more podcasts. We're probably going to do way more videos. We're definitely going to do more videos. We're going to have way more Instagram content. We're going to be able to host more things. So what you're taking in is not only going to be higher quality, but it's going to be higher frequency. So we're, we're doing this. Like we're not having gym memberships, not a public gym. So we're doing this solely to provide more content. So it is going to benefit you quite a bit. And that's why I'm so excited. Um, but the other reason this is going to be such a game changer is because we'll probably be well, I shouldn't say probably, we are 100%, um, but it's going to be right around the, like the same exact timing. We're bringing on Travis full-time, the media guy, so it's going to be crazy. <laughs> what, what we can create, there's no there's no boundaries now. The biggest boundary right now is time, but 
will have all this time. So I'm excited to bring you this stuff, guys. So I had to share that. This is this is this podcast is more than just a media outlet for you guys. It's also a media outlet for me. It's it's kind of like my diary, my journal. It's it's uh, even though I'm sitting here alone, it still feels like I'm talking to somebody. So it helps for me to be able to discuss this stuff and and share with you guys so you can get hyped up with me. Um, now let's get into the Q and A. Adam underscore fig 93. Uh, let's see. Hey, Cody. I am 26-year-old male who is five foot nine, 166 pounds, roughly 11% body fat. My current goal is to add some more muscle mass. I am a personal trainer with a good amount of training experience. Currently, I am consuming 2,670 calories per day, 180 grams protein, 321 grams carbs, 74 grams of fat. I am training four days per week with the current split. Day one, back quads. That's interesting. Day two, shoulders, triceps. Day three, off. Day four, chest, glutes, hamstrings. Day five, shoulders, back, biceps. My guess is that you want to specialize in back and shoulders just because those are the only ones you really hit twice in your entire week. Day six and seven, off. So you go, okay, day one, day two, off. Day four, day five, off. So you have four-day split. Okay. Do you think this plan is accordance to my goal of tra- gaining size? Thanks. Um, I, I don't think like I think your nutrition is actually pretty good. Like um, you're consuming a good amount of car- calories. You have a higher carb diet, moderate fat, above like you have about 1.1 grams per pound of protein. Your your c- calories and macros are set pretty well. I personally am a fan of not being like not majoring in the minor, so I probably wouldn't have 321. I would probably have 320 or 325 carbs. Probably wouldn't have 74. I'd probably have 70 or 75. I just think it's pointless to have those arbitrary numbers. But a um, couple things I would do to your training program if you want to optimize muscle growth is you have it as day one, day two is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's off. Day four, five would be Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday off. I would split that up, man. I, I find way better success if we go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Basically, you only have two days that are back-to-back, then the other days are spread out. Um, and I probably would go upper-lower. If you're only training four days a week, I see no reason not to do an upper-lower split. Um, right now, you have back, quads, shoulders, tries. Like, there are certain back exercises that shul- the shoulders and the triceps involved in. Um, There's certain shoulder exercises that your back is involved in. Um, I just don't see, and then you have chest the day before your second shoulder day, which is obviously going to affect the shoulder exercises on the fifth day. So like on your fourth day. So I don't see the reason the, the, the split just doesn't make much sense to me. Back quads, shoulders, tries, chest, glutes, hamstrings, shoulders, back thighs. I think you would be much better off doing an upper lower split or a full body split to be completely honest with you. If we're looking at targeting muscle growth, it's mainly volume. If we want to optimize volume, usually you have to have a better uh, split to in, in just improve your frequency because then your recovery will be better. Add to that, when you do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you have more rest in between most of your muscle groups, which is going to allow more time for that recovery, which is going to allow for more load to be lifted when you come back to it, which is going to allow for more volume technically. Um, I usually like to have body parts at least 48 hours apart, if not 72, so three days, two to three days apart, um, or you're doing full body. So if you're going to really hit the muscle groups hard, I like having two to three days apart. So doing an upper lower split would be perfect 
Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, on Wednesday and Friday, you do some kind of low-intensity cardio or conditioning just to stimulate better recovery and keep you lean while you're gaining. Um, but I think an upper-lower split is going to be better because you're hitting everything twice per week if you really have some kind of specialization at a fifth day. So you hit back and shoulders twice. So if you really want to – those are like your two weak points that you're trying to specialize in. Pick one of them per microcycle. Uh, macro cycle, sorry. So per block, per program, and then do a fifth day. So like you're doing like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday is your specialization day, right? So you have Wednesday and Sunday off, and on Saturday you go in and you just do a ton of rows and shrugs and pull downs, right? Or you do a ton of lateral raises and overhead presses, all high rep, nothing overly fatiguing, just enough to stimulate some extra volume. That's probably what I would do if you're trying to gain size. All right, this next question is from Anonymous. Um, she asked to be uh, unnamed in her email to me. Um, she said, in March, I hired a macro coach that set me at 1,335 calories for eight weeks while working out with weights six days a week for 30 to 40 minutes. I went from 137 pounds at the start on Monday to 134 pounds Wednesday that week. Over the next five weeks, I went down to 129 pounds. This was rather lean for me at 5'6". I was tired but wired, sleeping less and thus each week. By the end of week five weeks, I had double pneumonia and mono. I was done. I had to work, stop working out and dieting for about three to four weeks. Once I started feeling better, I went back to dieting and exercise. I lost my cycle, started seeing acne, and began losing a lot of hair. I also started binging and subsequently became 33% of the 95% that regained weight. Um, plus, so what she's referring to there is... 95% uh, of people who lose weight actually gain it back, and 33% of those 95% actually regain more weight. So what she's saying is she regained more weight than what she had lost originally. Um, so she weighs more than what she did originally. My cycle has come back, and the hair loss is slowing down. I believe due to the overall calories being so high with the binges, I'm floating between 140 and 144 pounds. This is not where I want to be. My plan is to diligently monitor myself at 1,950 calories for two weeks to see where I'm at for maintenance. I'm starting at 1950 as a mid between the calculations you mentioned. Hopefully this ends the bitches. I once I have a good data, then I want to toggle between a small deficit and maintenance for a month and then adjust depending, then readjust depending on the situation. In your experience, how long should it usually take for this to even out? I know everyone is different, but on average, should I go for longer at a maintenance to make sure every get everything gets back too good for a while. It's a little bit of a typo. I know I have to wait for the data to pan out, but I have some anxiety that the last seven months of heavy restrict, then restrict and binge has my maintenance so low, 1500. I'm so sad that I've spent half of my life this way because of being misinformed. I think of all the hours I spent burning out in cardio and all the gatherings I avoided to, due to food deprivation. Thankfully, I have this content now and can change my actions around to finally accomplish what I, I've desired for 20 years. Well, damn, long question. Sorry, guys. Um, but I thought it was important for you guys to hear this stuff because there's some serious situations that go out there around dieting and there's some misinformation out there that creates these things. I mean, if you get mono and pneumonia from dieting, you need to turn and stop right away. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a lot here and it's hard to answer the, the question because it's so individual. But my first like point of covering this is reverse diets aren't applicable in these scenarios. If you 
go so low in calories to a point. And here's the thing is like 1,335 calories for eight weeks. That's pretty low calories. But at 137 pounds, it's not always. This is why like individual coaching is so important. It's not always super low calorie. You have to assess everything about an individual before you prescribe such low calories. Because for some people, you have to get to 1,300, 1,200 calories to get super lean. And for some people, that's their goal. It's like, it's let's get super lean. So I don't want to say like, oh, never go to 1,300 because you know what? Sometimes you got to do it. There's there's times and places where you do need to bring calories down pretty low, especially if you want to get stage lean like a bikini competitor, for example. However, you have to assess all avenues of stress before implementing that low of a, of a diet, meaning... Do you have kids? Do you have stressful work? Were you not sleeping prior? I know you had sleep issues once you started this, but how was your sleep before that? How hard are you training? Like you mentioned, where do you say? Six days a week for 30, 40 minutes of weights. You know, it's it's arbitrary. So, and it's relative to the individual. So if you're training, like if you're using functional muscle 2.0, like, damn, you're working pretty hard. And if you're using it at the right RPE, that's way too much at that low of calories. If you're going into a circuit training class that just happens to use light weights, totally different ball game. So we have to really address stress. The second point with this is if a client gets to this point where they are suffering from very, very serious biofeedback issues, hormonal issues, metabolic issues, whatever it may be, reverse diets, they're just not in the picture. It's There's no point in it. You have to do a rever- uh, recovery diet. This is where... We go from that low calorie, like right up. You bump your calories right up to what you think maintenance is or what you've calculated maintenance to be. And then from there, you stay there at that higher caloric intake until your biofeedback improves. You cannot slowly baby your calories up. And you even mentioned like, I mean, I was going to say not to pick on you, but you sent me this to, to kind of pick on you. You said, then I was going to toggle between small deficit and maintenance for a month and then readjust depending on the situation. You shouldn't even do that. Like you said, my plan is diligently monitor myself at 1950 for two weeks. Two weeks isn't long enough to regain the physiological health that you diminished over the weeks of dieting, most likely. So what I would do is bring it to 1950 and literally wait till you feel amazing. And once you feel amazing, just stay there and continue to feel amazing for a solid month. I know that's hard, but you have to. And we have to remember that it's not just calories that improve hormonal uh, output and balance. It's body fat. So I know it's not what you want to hear, but sometimes it's like, well, shit, you got to put on some body fat. Like in some cases, we can avoid that. In some cases, you can't. You have to be okay with it because your hormones also regulate based on the body fat on your body. Um, but to your exact questions in your experience, how long does it usually take for this to even out? I know everyone is different, but what is it on average? So I would say it, it, it's really anywhere between one to two times the amount of time you dieted. So you said that set me at 1335 calories for eight weeks, but you experienced these things after five. So I don't know if you followed it for eight or if you followed five or you bought an eight week challenge or something like that. Um, let's say you followed it for five. You need at least five weeks at maintenance, but possibly 10, right? After 10, you can reassess. Um, I would even argue possibly, you know, 15 to 20 weeks. And the reason I say that is because you had pneumonia and mono and you had losing your hair, you lost your cycle. The more symptoms we see, the more issues we see, the more likely it is that we are going to have to add time to that 
recovery diet to that maintenance phase. Um, if you went on a 12-week diet and you didn't start experiencing negative biofeedback markers until week 10, so the last two weeks are hard, like even from my photo shoot diet, for example, um, we probably spent about, probably about 12 weeks in a deficit. Um, the first four weeks were just like at maintenance and the fact that I was increasing intensity after surgery, I just kind of recomped. Um, but we spent 12 weeks dieting. I finished the diet without really experiencing much biofeedback. The last two weeks, maybe three, I was like, yeah, I'm a little tired. My training's not as hard as it was, but I'm fine. Like, I'm cool. I could diet longer if I needed to. And it was like, okay, cool. This is a good point because we're lean enough for the shoe. Let's do the shoe. And then let's slowly reverse up. We didn't need to go, hey, you got it. You're going to have to reverse for a long time. It was like, hey, let's make a little bump. Let's make another little bump. It, it was fine. So if you see the less ex like biofeedback you experience, the less you have to spend time at maintenance or the slower you can reverse essentially. So for me, I could honestly, I could have been like, okay, I'm going to bump up to maintenance. I'm going to spend two weeks there, maybe up to six weeks at most, half the time I spent dieting, and then I'm going to go in for another deficit. So let's say that I spent 12 weeks dieting and I didn't reach my goal, but I knew that I was starting to experience biofeedback issues. Week 10, 11, and 12, I was like, hey, I'm starting to feel run down. It's nothing crazy, but just, just taking note of it. If a client told me that after 12 weeks, I'd be like, hey, we're going to spend six weeks at maintenance. I'm going to slowly reverse you up a little bit. So that might take two or three weeks, and then we're going to spend three weeks at that maintenance, and then we're going to go back into a deficit. Because you're not hormonally compromised to the point where I'm really scared about it. There's no serious long-term metabolic adaptation happening here. What is happening is that we know you are having some biofeedback issues. You are experiencing some diet fatigue. Nothing crazy. Cool. We are going to reverse diet for a short period of time. We're going to spend a short period of time maintaining up to a month at most. And then we're going to dive back into a diet because there's something wrong with that. But if you got to week 12, you're like, hey, I'm, I have a date that I have to be lean for. It's like, okay, let's take a week diet break and keep going. And we spend another eight weeks dieting. At that point, you get on stage to do your thing. We're staying at maintenance for 1.5 to two times as long. And for competitors, that's easy. Because if I say, hey, it's, we did a 16-week prep. I want you to you know, go to maintenance and we're going to stay there for 24 to 32 weeks. They're like, cool, that's plenty of time to gain muscle. Then I'll do it again, right? Like, so it's it's different when it's a sport. So you ask, like, should I go longer at it maintenance to make sure everything gets back to good for a while? Absolutely, hundred percent. Wait till it's feeling absolutely good. You said, I know I have to wait for data to pan out, but I have some anxiety that the last seven months of heavy restriction, then restrict and binge, has my maintenance so low. It probably does, but the only way to reverse that or to work your maintenance back up is to bring your calories up and it's to manage stress better and, and, and optimize your training and optimize your sleep and optimize your food and optimize everything we're talking about here. All right, next question. Um, I feel super bad about this one because she sent me a question. We were going back and forth. Um, she's like sharing my podcast with people and I didn't write her name down and I was like scrolling through my DMs trying to find who sent it and I couldn't find it and I apologize for whoever sent this question in because I feel like an asshole. Um, she said, hi, Cody. I'm a big fan of the podcast and content. I have even gotten my sister and boyfriend to be frequent listeners too. Boom. Thank you so much. Um, I have a few questions for your Q&A podcast. I hope that's okay. It's absolutely okay. What advice would you give someone who up until recently worked an active job in retail who later transitioned into a sedentary desk job? Still trying to get 10K steps a day, track macros and lift weights five to six times a week. How can someone prevent gaining a ton of weight when it's inevitable that you'll be less active than before? 
basically make up for that need with either a caloric deficit or ex added caloric expenditure. So the easiest way to do this is, you know, like when I was like, you can do this in both ways. So when I was dieting down, like I've always taken three walks a day when I was dieting down for photo shoot, that slowly wanted to stop happening because I had less energy coming in. As you go into deficit, you have less energy. You are less called, you feel less called to really get up and walk, right? But you have to almost force yourself to do that. So the best thing to do is just to kind of try to match your need. So if you, like like you said, still trying to get 10K steps a day. Well, if you knew you had an active job and you got 10K steps a day, it's as simple as that. Do 10K steps a day. Take a few walks every day. If it's very hard for you to adhere to that and you don't enjoy that, just drop the equivalent amount of calories, which I can't give you a number for because it's different for everybody. But let's say that's an extra 100 calories. So drop an extra 100 calories because your maintenance will lower as your movement lowers. So if you don't keep up that neat, what it takes to maintain your body mass or weight will be lower than it was before because you were moving more before. So it's pretty simple. Like just be active. Just try to match up for that missed neat, that neat that you're no longer doing by either dropping calories and or just walking more, standing more, so on and so forth. Let's go, Laura. Let's go, Laura. What advice do you give to petite and short females for tracking macros during a cut? I have been impressively consistent in the last 12 weeks on about 1,400 calories, 1,450 calories, 150 carbs, 140 protein, 30 fat, losing less than a half a pound each week, if at all. I am 5'2 and 130 to 132 pounds. I feel like 1,400 is so low, but I also think I can go lower if needed. What is your opinion on fat loss and cutting for small females? Um, I have a few opinions. I mean, I think, number one, I think that 1,400 is low, um, but I don't think it's crazy low for your size. Um, I think 30 grams of fat is super low, so I probably would bring the fats up and drop the carbs down. Like, something we have to remember is, like, this is where the numbers get kind of screwy and experience and anecdote kind of trump. Because if we look at calculations, okay, you're 130 pounds. Well, 10 times your body weight in calories for weight loss is normal, which would mean that you should be eating 1,300 calories. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean you should, but it means you could eat 1,300 calories. Um, if we look at fat, 0 0.4 grams per pound is common for um, – for fat intake per day, right? But if you do that, it's 52 grams, right? So you're actually way below that. It's higher than I thought. <laughs> I was expecting, did I do that right? I was expecting less. Yeah, so 52 grams. So I would say you're really below on fat, um, but that means your carbs should be lower. So like, and, and that's a good example. Like, so if you have to eat 1,400 calories to lose weight, um, you're eating 140 protein, which I agree with. You're eating 30 fat, which I think is too low. The problem with this that makes it hard is the less calories you have, the less carbs you're going to have. And then it becomes really difficult. So if you bring your fats up to 50, which would be healthier for you, your carbs drop quite a bit. And that's kind of shitty. I mean, you're, you're going to be dropping 50 grams carbs. Now you're only eating 100 grams carbs a day. So um, my opinion on fat loss and cutting for small females is it can be difficult. You have to actually use a lot of anecdote and experience. Um, you have to know a lot about the individual. Um, calorie equations don't always add up to be true because I have some individuals that are the same weight as you. I have some individuals that are less than you, 120, 125 pounds that eat 
2,000, 2,500 calories a day and they're lean as shit. I have others that have to eat 1,300 to drop weight. Now, those individuals have no choice but to go pretty low in calories. Um, and sometimes they do have to go lower than I like in fat. Um, so they have carbs because they value their performance. But with those individuals, I, I believe carb cycling and more frequent refeeds just come become more and more important because you can't really avoid those low calorie diets. And this is why, like I would say the most common metabolic adaptation cases we see or we hear about are bikini competitors. It's people who go on a low calorie diet. Well, they don't really have a choice. They kind of have to go that low in order to get to stage weight, to get to that place that they want to get to. And if we're going to do that, the best thing to do is, is to add in diet breaks and refeeds more frequently or carb cycling in general, because psychologically, at least you're having a few high days a week. So I really like for people like you, five two seven two approach like five to seven days in a deficit two days refeeding every single week um you do have to go low carb it's just part of it um because i would rather you have that 40 to 50 grams of fat just to just to try to save your hormones as much as we can staying in between 130 to 140 protein um and then dropping carbs because the reality of two with carbs carbs yes they're not essential you guys know i'm a big fan of carbs but if you time them right it's not going to tap out bodybuilding style training like most people think if anything you just have mentally you just have less energy to get after it but you won't completely deplete your glycogen that often and i think you'd be surprised at how much you can actually still get after it um and be totally fine maintaining muscle um so yeah that's i mean that's how i feel about it i i like working with women um to i, I like working in carb cycling or some form of more frequent refeeds multi-day refeeds with women of your size and i think it's really really important to optimize training volume just to make sure that we're we're really staying at that point um and and for a lot of people like you like it's almost better to to err on the side of more energy expenditure versus more energy deficit what i mean by that is well shit we have no choice but to go pretty damn low and that's very hard to sustain so these are the candidates that you know what you will need cardio right whereas in quite a bit right? Good amount of neat. Maybe you're jumping on the treadmill for 10 minutes before your workouts, 20 minutes after, like we're doing hit intervals, we're doing two days. Like sometimes it just takes that. Whereas for individuals who can consume a lot of calories at maintenance, they're bigger individuals. It's easy to create deficit because they can adhere to it pretty easy. Right. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, per, it's different person to person, but that's kind of where my mind goes. Franco Guzman, what would surprise us from your workout playlist? Well, let's see. I'm going to pull up my Spotify right now. This one. I don't know if anything would surprise you. I think the the thing that surprises people about me is my my playlist is so unbelievably diverse. This week, I've been listening to Watch the Throne by Kanye and Jay-Z and the Black Album and Reasonable Doubt. So a lot of Jay-Z. But um, so I have one playlist that is all rap and it's like. Young Jeezy, Nipsey Hussle, DMX, Birdman Lil Wayne, Clips, Russ, um, a little bit of Drake, Travis Scott, Nas, 50 Cent, Fabulous, Cameron, Method Man, Biggie, <laughs> a lot of, of East Coast rap, even though I'm from the, the West Coast, so a lot of East Coast rap for me, um, and then I have... <laughs> This one might surprise you. Um, Post hardcore. I mean, I, I <laughs> under oath, Bayside, Silverstein, a uh, little bit of Census Fail, a little bit of Chiodos, um, even some Coheed and Cambria on there. A little bit Taking Back Sunday. 
So a lot of like screamo emo, I do listen to that quite a bit actually. I like I like that music. Um, I have another playlist called Grinder, and it's all like grunge. So Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave, Soundgarden, um, a little bit of Nirvana on here. I do have a little bit um, Smashing Pumpkins, Jane's Addiction, a little bit of Linkin Park in here too, and then I have a oops played it. I have another. This is the last one. I have another playlist. Um, actually, I have two more workout playlists. I have another playlist that is uh, like metal. So Metallica, Korn, um, Future Leaders of the World, Seether, like more hard, like more metal like stuff. And then I have a, finally I have one that is just a huge mix of everything. I got Eminem, DMX, Linkin Park, Metallica, Jeezy, just a bunch of random shit on here. Limp Biscuit, POD, some like. <laughs> 90s kid stuff rob zombie so i don't know if i have anything i don't know if that would surprise you maybe the things that surprise you about my playlist are that it's so fucking random i listen to literally everything um i listen to country i listen to rap i listen to metal i listen to emo i listen to like alternative punk so i listen to like i mean shit i grew up on like green day um so i'm actually like more hardcore punk like distillers and rancid and, and casualties uh, misfits sex pistols ramones clash so maybe some people recognize those bands and they'll relate. Um, a lot of hip-hop. So a lot of old-school New York hip-hop. I love old-school New York hip-hop. So Nas, Jay-Z, Wu-Tang, Biggie, um, even Talib Kaweli, Most Def, like just old shit over there. But I also love like old – I love old hip-hop in general. I mean, take me down to Atlanta. Just give me some Outkast. I love Outkast, old Outkast, even Houston stuff, Miami um and some west coast but for some reason west coast is like my least favorite i love west coast music but it's just like my least favorite um and then you'll catch me listening to like mixtapes from wayne back in the day and drake and and jeezy and people and kanye west like the earlier like you know 2005 to 2015 ti i was actually listening to that ti album the other day he is a classic that i think goes underrated but I don't know if anything would surprise you. Like, you're not going to catch me listening to any R&B while I lift. You're not going to catch me listening to anything like that. I tend to listen to either angry rap or angry rock when I when I lift. If I'm with Shannon, I'll listen to some country or some R&B. Um, but I think the thing that's surprising about me or funny about me is that I listen to everything. When I'm working, I usually listen to, like, Incubus or Oasis. <laughs> the The more I say these the artists, it's funny because they're such on different planets. Like... Blake Shelton versus Incubus versus The Casualties versus Metallica versus Nas versus Drake. Like it's just it's just off the wall. I have a huge like my palette is very diverse when it comes to music. And I've been to concerts in so many different genres. It's fucking hilarious. So I don't know if any of those would surprise you, but I wake up and I feel like something different almost every day. Neil Miller. My question is, would you ever consider supplementing your little girl's diet with creatine? Heard Ben Pekulski on the podcast. He does this with his kids for brain development benefits. 100,000%. Speaking of creatine, shout out to our sponsor um, and the team at CreaPure. Appreciate those guys. Love those guys. If you guys aren't using a creatine that has CreaPure, you have to. I'm going to link creep here in the description and you can click it and you can go visit their website and you can see who they use you can't buy this is the cool thing about creep here they don't make money off me they don't i don't make money off them um 
directly, right? Like I don't say go buy Creapure and use slash boom boom. <laughs> like they don't sell it to you. They provide it for bulk supplements. So they're just trying to get the word out that creatine can be improperly dosed inside of a lot of supplements. And there's a lot of brands that are un uh, efficacious. Is that the right word? I believe um, that are just not high quality and you should be making sure you get Creapure when you do it. Um, so I'll link them in the show notes cause they have a list of like their verified supplement companies that they supply Creapure to, um, on their website. I'll link that. Um, and you can also check out my little athlete profile page affiliate thing. Uh, but yeah, I would absolutely, there's a lot of good research that shows, uh, creatine in youth can help cognitive performance, help increase IQ, help increase focus during school, so on and so forth. So I think it's really worth it. I, I have no doubt in my mind that I'll be doing that as soon as, as soon as she's old enough to like want to drink it or like, like right now she likes, she loves our greens drink. Like she kind of likes anything we drink. It's funny. Like it, she'll have dinner in her high chair. She's cool. She's eating. As soon as we sit down, she sees our plates and she doesn't want to eat hers anymore. We're like, if mom's drinking a greens drink, She's like, I want the green drink, and she'll just guzzle it down. So I got to sneak it in there. But, yeah, once she's a little bit older, more of a toddler running around, I, uh, I'm probably going to uh, sneak some creatine into her diet for sure, especially when she's in school. And um, there's actually this cognitive enhancement may help prevent or help with the risk of Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's does run in my family. So um, I definitely will. I act it's my dad got a big box at his door one day and he calls me. He's like, what is all this stuff? And I'm like, well, you got your creatine, you got your fish oil, omegas, and you got your protein. So he had a hip surgery. I was like, you have to drink two scoops of this protein every day. Cause you have a low protein diet and you're, you're, you're going to wither away. If you don't do this, dad, I need to make sure that you're maintaining muscle mass post-surgery on your hip. Um, and the fish oil, you need to take four times as many as you normally take. And you need this brand. You need to keep it in the fridge because this is going to help prevent Alzheimer's and keep your joints healthy. And then the creatine will as well. So I got him drinking these like shakes and taking pills every morning and stuff. And when he's out, I just restock him because I'm on a mission to make sure Alzheimer's doesn't hit us because it does run in the family, unfortunately. James Ward, I'm dealing with a knee injury currently and want to focus on specifically building up my arms and shoulders while I let the knee heal up. I want to lose, I don't want to lose too much strength in my chest and back during this time though. My current lifting window is small, so I've been doing a lot of compound movements up to this point. What would you, what would be the best approach to hit the arms for some size? Do you have a program specifically for this already? Yes, I do. You have to jump in the elite for it, though. I have a program called Armageddon, which I believe many other coaches in the industry have titled their programs as already. So I'm not like claiming that I'm the first one to create an Armageddon program, but I did call it Armageddon and it is a shoulder and arm specialization. So there's three upper body days and two lower body days. So like you asked, what would be the best approach to hit the arms? I'm going to explain the approach inside this program and it is the best approach. <laughs> it's the reason I created it. So, um, the, so the basis of it is, uh, it is an upper lower split, but there's three upper body days per week, two lower body days. So the best way to do this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, um, taking Thursday as rest and Sunday as rest. Um, on those days you can do low intensity cardio, but you're basically having more volume in your upper body. There is a lot of pulling because indirectly we're hitting the biceps with pulling. Um, I didn't do a ton. Like, so you could look at this two ways. Like I'm going to do extra pulling because that allows me to build my back and it allows me to build my arms indirectly. 
well, I could do the same thing with pushing, right? I'll build my chest and I'll indirectly build my arms through my triceps. Yes, but pulling is more joint friendly than pushing is typically. So I don't like doing a ton of arm specialization and pressing because I don't want to protract the shoulders and put too much tension in the elbows. So I'd rather pull. So a lot of horizontal pulling, it's going to help build your back, but we're also working a ton of bicep with that. Um, and then a lot of isolated shoulders. So there is overhead pressing for the compounds. And then there's a lot of intensification techniques. So different lateral raise drop sets, different band work, different things that are just going to create a ton of tension and a lot of high volume um, based training through time under tension and metabolite and lactic acid. I find the delts really build well by just doing a ton of tension, right? High reps, high volume, a lot of lactic acid accumulation, metabolite buildup, stuff like that um, versus just tons and tons of heavy loading, right? And the reason this is a shoulder and arm specialization is because if you build your shoulders up, your arms always look bigger. When you have that cap, you kind of have that teardrop shoulder look. Um, it's like an upside down teardrop. And when you have that, it creates more shape, more shadow to your arms. Your biceps just look bigger without them even growing. So we're going to use that to our advantage and we're basically hitting lateral raises three times a week. Still some overhead pressing. So like the pressing is typical like overhead and horizontal. We're going to keep that pretty normal volume. And then we're going to increase volume by isolating the delts through a lot of different lateral raise variations. So seated, standing, cable, kettlebell, dumbbell, band, so on and so forth. Um, a lot of rear delt work because rear delts are going to build that cap and then a ton of rows to indirectly hit the biceps. Then three days a week, since we have three upper body days, we're finishing every workout with curls and tricep extensions. Um, the best way to do this is going to be to use three different variations of curls, three different loading patterns. So what we're going to do is one day of shoulder flexion. So your shoulders are going to be in front of you. Your elbows are going to be in front of you. Something like a spider curl where your chest supported or a preacher curl where you're on, like you have your elbows resting in front of you, but your shoulders are in flexion. The next one is going to be shoulder uh, day two. So let's say, let's just make it Monday, Wednesday, Saturday for upper days. Like I said before, the second one is going to be neutral shoulders. So you might be standing or seated in an upright bench, but either way, your shoulders are directly at your side. So you're not, they're not in front of you. They're not extended back. And then the third day, you're going to do a shoulder extension based curl, which is going to be uh, like an incline bench where you, sh you can lean back and pull your shoulders into extension behind your chest. Um, on these days, I like to switch the grip to a hammer grip. So day one and day two, you're going to be supinated palm, palms up grip day three. When you're on the incline bench and shoulder extension position, you're going to go hammer grip, neutral grip. The reason I like the neutral grip is because if we look at how to, like, if we look at the stretch shortening cycle and actually allowing the bicep to go through a full range of motion, you want your shoulders in extension and you actually want neutral position because when you're in a locked out elbow position, if your hands are supinated, your palms are forward, you're actually not creating the maximal stretch in your biceps. But if you turn them into a pronated position or a neutral grip, at least you're taking that bicep through its fully stretched position. So when we have a hammer grip on an incline bench with the shoulders extended, I'm going through as much of a range of motion as I possibly can. So now what we've done is we've done more volume in the upper body in general, two lower body days, three upper body days. Those days are going to be posterior dominant. So a lot of pulling, which is going to help the rear delts and your back build strength, keep your joints healthy while you do more upper body work, which is important while indirectly hitting the biceps three days a week. We're hitting lateral raises and bicep curls and tricep extensions all while varying our joint positioning and our grip style and our resistance curve. So like I said, band, dumbbell, kettlebell, when we change those things, we change the resistance profile of the movement. 
Um, so that's going to be the most optimal way to hit arms. And that exact program is in the Boom Boom Elite. It's called Armageddon. Um, I've had multiple people go through it. I've used it myself. Um, this is exactly how I trained for one of my photo shoots for like, I repeated the program three times in a row. Um, it's a four week program. So I did it for 12 weeks and I just slightly changed variations of accessory work. And it really, really helped my arms, uh, just grow and get, look more defined because I built a ton of shoulder mass. Kelly Collier, weird question. It's a good way to start this. <laughs> If we can reverse up to create a new maintenance for ourselves, could we technically diet down to create a lower set point and therefore be able to create a surplus easier and then boom, put on muscle while eating less food? Wow, that is a weird question. That's actually a really good question. I don't think we have any legitimate research to prove that right or wrong, um, to be honest. But I would honestly say... As much as in theory that makes sense, I would probably say no. Um, I think – so here, here's what I think. I think yes, you could as long as your weight followed that caloric drop. So what I mean by that is yes, you can reverse up and create a new maintenance for yourself. But one thing we have to remember is that our body set point – so there's, there's two kind of body set points. There's a body settling point where our weight kind of hangs out and then there's like more of a metabolic body set point where our metabolism kind of regulates itself. And it's kind of like a thermostat, right? When you have your AC and your heat and it's on automatic and it kind of keeps you in this zone of heat, it's the same exact idea. The problem with this is, is, and many people know this, you reverse diet up. Let's say you finish a diet on 150 grams carbs and 50 grams fat and you're dying. Then you reverse up to... 350 carbs, 60 grams of fat, and you didn't gain much weight at all. You're like, I crushed this reverse diet. I'm eating way more food, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to drop calories again, and I'm going to try to get leaner than I did last time. Yet once you finally get leaner, you find yourself at 135 grams of carbs and 45 grams of fat, which is even lower than the last time you dieted. This is the way a me metabolism really works in a smart fashion to regulate things like a thermostat. So what happens is you can reverse your maintenance up higher and you can maintain weight on a higher caloric set point, but you still may have to cross a certain threshold of calories in order to f successfully get leaner. Um, and the reason I say this is because when you do the reverse going up, it's going to be the same exact thing. You can probably drop calories and maintain weight on a lower caloric in uh, intake. You can raise calories and maintain weight on a higher caloric intake. However, in order to gain weight, you're probably going to have to pass that certain point no matter what. So if you dropped calories really low, your body adjusted to that, and then you tried to add calories to gain mass, will you gain some mass? Probably, but you might gain fat too. Or your metabolism will just be highly adaptive, which is the most likely scenario, and you'll just regulate and you'll maintain still. So it's potentially possible on a small degree if your weight follows that. So let's say your maintenance is 3,000 calories, but then you dieted and you lost 20 pounds and now your, your maintenance is 2,500. Well, you lost 20 pounds, therefore your body mass is lighter, therefore your maintenance is gonna be lighter because your neat, your energy expenditure, everything, like it takes less energy coming in, takes less calories to maintain your body mass physically. As your weight drops, your maintenance drops too. It's just natural. That's just part of the metabolism in the human body. So if you... And what I, why I'm prefacing it this way is because if you it once was three thousand, 
for maintenance, and now it's 2,500 for maintenance, you could probably bump up to 2,700 and gain muscle mass now because 2,700 is now a, a surplus. It's not a deficit like it once was when your maintenance was once 3,000. So I hope that makes sense. So I think the answer is yes and no. I think it's yes if you're if this happens in uh, in relation to your body weight dropping because your maintenance will drop with that. Um, I, I would say no if your body weight maintains the whole time because I think for most people, they have a highly adaptive metabolism in the sense that it kind of runs itself like this thermostat. All right, we're going to take one more question. Uh, this is a good one to finish with. The CB effect. He asked this question on Instagram and I couldn't really answer it to be honest with you. However, I'm going to change it a little bit. So his question was, if you could only read one book for the rest of your life, what would it be? And honestly, didn't have an answer. I said something by Robert Greene or Ryan Holiday. And the reason I said that is because if you've read one of their books, you know that they use historical figures and stories from history to provide lessons and insights and teach you things. So I find it very easy to read. I find it very entertaining. I find it very engaging. Um, and I find it very relatable. So it's easier to learn lessons when somebody's telling you about uh, Marcus Aurelius or Abraham Lincoln or John Kennedy or Malcolm X or all the different people that Ryan Holiday's talked about. Um, Robert Greene has talked about a lot of different stories within business and within politics and stuff that I would have never known about, but he explains these stories and these crimes and all these different things, and it makes it much more engaging. So if I had to pick one book, I don't think I could, but I would pick something from Ryan Holiday or Robert Greene. I'm reading uh, Stillness is the Key right now by Ryan Holiday, and it's phenomenal. Love the book. Um, I've loved everything in this trilogy. So Obstacle is Way, then Ego is the Enemy, and now this. But what I said is I was, I was going to tweak this one because people are always asking me what kind of books I'm reading. So if I could only read one book for the rest of my life in training, diet, fiction, personal development, and business, what would they be? So I'm going to pick one of each category. If I had to pick one for training, I almost feel like I'm default. Like by default, I have to pick the Muscle and Strength Pyramids because it's just such a good fundamental book. And it's something you can always go look back at for updated research, right? Part of me thinks like I might pick like an exercise physiology textbook or even like a like uh, the performance enhancement specialist textbook from NASM just because there is more elements of muscle physiology and anatomy inside of it. But I think when it comes to truly applying training in the art form that I do, which is mainly for body composition, people trying to build muscle or burn fat and, and sometimes performances along the way. I think the muscle and strength pyramids kind of takes the rein on that because I think muscle physiology is important uh, to have in your background. I do think it makes me better at what I do, but I feel like the muscle and strength pyramids kind of lay down the fundamentals that you really need in order to program design well. Um, so part of me thinks I would choose that. Part of me wants to say the Max Muscle Bible by Thibs and Paul Carter just because it's a really fun read, but I'm going to go with the muscle and strength pyramids for training, for diet. I am going to go with Fat Loss Forever by Lane Norton. Um, and I can't remember his co-author's name, but really, really good book. And I think it's really good because it kind of covers a bit of everything. Covers the metabolism um, really well. Covers some hormones. Covers some special scenarios like PCOS, keto, um, antidepressants. Like it covers a good amount of things. So I'm probably going to go with that fat loss forever for nutrition i was just looking at my bookshelf and i saw the arnold schwarzenegger uh bodybuilding encyclopedia and i almost want to choose that for, for training just because it's such an interesting book um 
I really love his story. I love reading his stuff, listening to his biography and stuff. So, But I'm going to go with Muscle and Drink Pyramids for training. I'm going to go with Fallos Forever for nutrition. For fiction, I am going to go with – I probably have to go with The Alchemist. I don't think anything can beat The Alchemist as a story. Ooh, actually, you know what? The Go-Giver is really fucking good. And so is the leader who had no title. So is the monk who had Ferrari, or who sold his Ferrari. But I think the one that had the biggest effect on me um, and influenced me the most at a time when I needed it was The Alchemist. So I'm going to go with The Alchemist for fiction. Uh, personal development. I am going to go with – I categorize personal development and business separately. However, what I will say to people listening to this is I think the best books for improving business are actually personal development books. Um, but what I'm going to go with for personal development is the one thing. I think that that book I could read over and over again. I have read over and over again. I think the the, the principles in that book truly shaped who I am as an individual um, from a – just how I treat life um, and how I treat success, business, training, everything. Like what the one thing is unbelievable. I think it's really, really important. Um, for business, you know, now that I think about it, that's probably more of a business book that I would recommend. I mean, Jab, Jab, Right Hook is pretty damn good. Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. You know what's also really good is uh, Ask Gary Vee book because you just hear all of his answers for all this shit. Um, for for business, I might go with either start with why or um, tribes. I'm going to go with start with why. So start with why by – who is that by? I'm going to pull it up right now. It's on my phone. Start with why by Damn, I've read a lot of books on here. Simon Sinek, who also oh no, he didn't write deep deep work. Ooh, how to win friends and influence people is a really good one too. Okay, so what I'm gonna do for business, I'm gonna go start with why. For personal development, I'm gonna go with the one thing. For training, I'm going with the muscle and strength pyramids, the training edition. For diet, I am going with fat loss forever. And for fiction, I am going with the alchemist. Those are the books if I had to read one in each category for the rest of my life, I would choose those because I could read them over and over and over again and continue to get value from them. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation 
to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.